the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, I think every time we do an episode of the Paracast, we run into weird issues like when we did our show with the previous week's guest, where we had Barry Greenwood and our guest co-host, Kurt Collins, we had some difficulty getting connected through a Skype connection because even though he had one account, they were connecting him through a different account. The last week to explain that. We also mentioned that a few weeks back when we had Jacques Vallée on the show, Jacques, one of the grandfathers of the Internet, shall we put it that way, could not make it work on his Skype connection. We ended up using his landline phone, of which he has two lines. So all sorts of weird stuff. Today, my only problem is dealing with one of our payment providers, PayPal. But everybody on the planet, I think, has problems with PayPal, and we can do a different show about that. And by the way, our guest co-host this week is Tim Swartz. Irina Scott, I know you don't want to hear us griping. Welcome back to the Paracast. It's been, what, a couple of years since we've had you on the show. And you've got a new book here about Pascagoula, beyond Pascagoula, the rest of the amazing story. Now, before we get on with the details, uh, how's Calvin Parker been doing? Oh, I keep hearing that he's better, and so I hope he is because he's gone through a lot and some pretty miserable things. So I hope he's getting better and will be back to normal someday. He's a really nice guy. We've had him on the show a couple of times. I've exchanged some email with him. So I do hope that he's fine and wish my best to him and to his family. Okay, the book you wrote for Philip Antle's Flying Disc Press. Uh What brought you to write this book? Well, there were two things. One is Philip Mantle and... He's, he was doing more research on the Pascagoula sighting of Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson, and he wanted to interview other witnesses. And he, he has an English accent due to the fact that he lives in the UK and a man, and he kind of wanted to have somebody interview him that was like a female and in the United States with a U.S. accent. So he asked me to do it. And I was happy to, because I was very interested. That's one reason I did a lot of interviews for him, of uh, the other witnesses. But another reason goes way, way back, and that is is that once, many years ago, in 1973, the same time as the Pascagoula (laughs) abduction, which I didn't know anything about at the time, my mother had called me. She was in Columbus, Ohio, and I was in uh, Columbia, Missouri, which are 600 miles apart approximately. And she said, did you hear a noise? And she'd always said that if she were becoming, having dementia or anything, that I should tell her or somebody should tell her. And so I told her, you know, I wouldn't be hearing a noise that you heard 600 miles away. But she still kept asking me. I didn't hear it, of course. But Several days later, she called and said there was just a massive, massive UFO flap going on there. And she's a a debunker type, kept a skeptic, and so this was odd coming from her. And she said people were hiding in their houses at night, and a UFO chased one of her friends and all kinds of things. And so I didn't pay too much attention to it. But later, I moved back to Ohio, 
I was working at Ohio State University, and at that time they had a room in the library that had old newspapers. And I thought just on a whim I'd go in and see if I could find anything about the noise. But I didn't expect to. And I walked into the room, and it was loaded with all kinds of papers, and I thought I'll never find that. But I kind of remembered when it was as approximate guess, and I pulled a couple of papers out and found it. And so I was quite amazed that I found it. And it was a very interesting sound because it had been heard just a, a wide area with a lot of people. And so I started doing an investigation with that. And so those are those are two things because the sound happened at about the same time as the Pascagoula abduction. I had worked on that. It was actually about the first UFO thing I ever worked on. And so the two things kind of came together. When you say noise, uh, what do you mean by noise? I'm not too sure what I mean. It was um, It was a very loud sound mm-hmm. was heard all the way from Iowa to the Atlantic coast and maybe about five to 700 miles wide. And it was, might've been an extent about the largest sound ever recorded in human history. And it was never really explained what caused it. People didn't see airplanes or meteors or anything like that when it occurred. Now we have uh, um, quite a bit of uh, now that the you know internet is is up and running. I mean, you, we get reports all the time now of uh, usually it's more generalized locations of uh, what seems to be like sonic booms or or loud explosions that uh, generally can't be uh, explained. But the noise that you're describing is you know happened over such a a vast area so it really couldn't have been explained to say like a sonic boom no um when i started out i it, i tried to figure out what it was and i couldn't find anything and i started i started to write it up in a scientific journal and a seismologist the seismologist of the state of Ohio was interested and helped me find uh, look for a sonogram, I mean seismograph recordings and things like that. And I did publish it in a peer-reviewed scientific journal saying that there wasn't any explanation. And they always say scientists are debunkers. But the scientists I contacted with that didn't debunk it, they were interested. And later, um, I published something about it in the MUFON Journal, and I got debunked there by um, somebody who said, well, it was this particular airplane flight. And I kind of weakly debunked him back because um, the sound wasn't where the airplane was, but I didn't have too much information about where it should have been or anything. But since that happened... NASA has published a lot more information about sonic booms and about the sonic booms of different airplanes and how wide and they are and how loud they should be and that sort of thing. So I could debunk it a lot better in my book. Well, it's interesting here to consider the fact that 
MUFON would attempt to debunk anyone. And I've had my arguments with MUFON, so let's leave it there. But the more interesting thing here is a lot of people think when you run into an abduction case, it's something that's specific to the individuals. When you start to find sightings or other reports of phenomenon that occur around it in the vicinity, that really gets to be more interesting because that may be, in many respects, as important or more important than the original stories because these are the people who back you up, that sort of thing. So this is going to be a real interesting episode. Dr. Irina Scott has been on the Paracast before, so most of your listeners know her. The book she wrote for Philip Mantle's Flying Disc Press is Beyond Pascagoula, The Rest of the amazing story. And we're going to be talking about that story, and I think she's going to hang out also for the After the Powercast podcast. This is going to be fascinating, and it's also going to give us more insights into certainly one of the more unusual cases in UFO history. And as our listeners know, our guest co-host this week is Tim Swartz. So we've got lots of action to come with Gene and with Irina and with Tim, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. We know that the 1% globalist elites have hijacked and subverted the U.S. economy, culture, and government. The battle to take America back begins with Scott McKay, the Patriot Street Fighter, and his advancing the fork and line tour. Now here's Scott. Hi, this is Scott McKay, better known as Patriot Street Fighter, the high-octane, full-throttle truth hammer, and I'm bringing the advancing the fork and line tour to a city near you. I and a host of other speakers will be on stage with an arsenal of issues from health rights, human rights, and the freedom given to us by the founding fathers who drafted the Constitution for the United States of America. This is a ticketed event, and you can get tickets at PatriotStreetFighter.com. I'm looking forward to personally seeing many of you there. The Patriot Street Fighter advancing the fork and line tour tickets can be purchased at PatriotStreetFighter.com. For tour dates and information, or to purchase your tickets, go to PatriotStreetFighter.com. That's PatriotStreetFighter.com. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. 
dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly? Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. An important message from Byram Healthcare. If you live with diabetes, you know how challenging and painful it can be to manage your blood sugar. With private insurance, Medicare, or Medicaid, that can all change. If you test your blood sugar four or more times a day and inject insulin three or more times a day, you may qualify to receive at little or no cost, less copays and deductibles, a continuous glucose monitor, providing blood sugar readings with no uncomfortable finger sticks. It alerts you in real time to potential spikes with your blood sugar levels. Byram Healthcare is a leading U.S. provider of continuous glucose monitors. We carry most major brands and will work with your insurance to get your benefits approved. So if you have diabetes, call a U.S. U.S.-based Byram Healthcare Specialist now and see if you qualify. 800-535-6078. 800-535-6078. That's 800-535-6078. As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, Get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. And the first thing, of course, is that Tim Swartz has numerous ways of doing our closing stinger. Irina, so you had this interaction with MUFON, you debunk them. Let's go on with the things going on around the abduction episode. MUFON didn't debunk me. A particular person wrote a debunking article about my article. MUFON published that somebody wrote a debunking comment, and then I wrote a debunking comment back to him. Okay, the person who wrote back, was he a member of MUFON's staff or just an independent member? I don't know. I didn't check that much. He had heard a loud noise around that time and thought it was an airplane. And I didn't have enough to enough information to really say much back then, but I do now. And I put it in my book. <laughs> I don't know that much about him. But it wasn't MUFON in general. It was just somebody wrote in. Okay, so let's continue with the things that went on in 1973. Okay. One thing that was interesting is, is that, that it was a pretty credible report to start with because two people, it happened to two people at once. And it was in kind of like a public place. And they thought people should have seen it. But back then there was a lot of harassment and people didn't go around saying, I see UFOs because people would say they were nuts. But at that time, the police had collected around 50 reports of people that were seeing a UFO on that same night. And then there were more than that that they didn't report. And so 
it wasn't it was something that like it had a lot of witnesses but nobody went and but nobody uh, form, formally reported it because just of the harassment and things and so we're finding people now that remember it and collecting reports now Irina, why don't you um, give our listeners just kind of like a thumbnail description of the Pascagoula incident? I mean, uh, for a lot of us, it's it's a pretty famous case, uh, but there could be some people out there who uh, are new to all this and uh, are not familiar with it. Okay. Uh, it happened to Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker. Charles Hickson, I think, was around 45 years old and Calvin Parker, I think, was around 19. They were uh, employees of a shipyard by the Pascagoula River. It was a big, important shipyard. Um, it was Calvin Parker's fa- first day of work, and um, the one, the older man, was a friend of his father, and Calvin was a friend of um, the older man's son. So it was sort of family friendship. Um, they wanted to go fishing just to relax after a day of work. And so they went to several places and didn't find good fish. And then they went to this one place that um, Charles thought was a real good place to fish. Calvin was a little hesitant because they were in his car. It was a new car. And I think it was posted, no trespassing or something. But Charles said, let's go, no problem. And so they went. And they got their fishing gear out, and they were sitting there fishing. And they had no previous interest in UFOs or anything like that. They were just fishing. Um, and so as they were fishing, they um, saw a blue light. And they thought the police were after them. And Calvin said, well, told Charles that he could go to jail because it was his idea. But it was much, much, much worse than having the police come after you because it turned out that then they saw this object coming. It was kind of blue, and it stopped. It sort of hovered above the ground, and these things came out. Um, They weren't – they were uh, different from what normally is reported as aliens. But they came out, and the two men looked inside, and it was just like really white and really bright light. They abducted them. Uh, two people got Charles. One person got Calvin. I mean, I don't know if they were people or things or whatever they were. But they grabbed them and took them inside and apparently examined them. I mean, that's what they reported and then brought them back to where they were. Well, they were both in very severe shock. Um, it appeared they had been anesthetized some way because they were big, you know, healthy men and they didn't fight back. They just went weak and numb. And they thought maybe they'd been injected. And when they were there, they couldn't move or anything. They just had to have these things inspect them and things and couldn't do anything about it. And then they were released. And they were both just absolutely terrified. And when 
Calvin was released, I guess he was just standing there with his arms up above his head and couldn't move. And then Charles tried to bring him to, and he fell down. I think they both fell down. And then the, um, you can imagine what that would be like. I mean, they were just absolutely terrified to the depths of their soul. And I guess then the thing disappeared. And the things were like robots or something. Well, Charles was older, and he'd been in the Army. And he'd fought in uh, the war, and he'd had experience with really terrifying situations. Calvin was younger, and he hadn't had experience with anything like that. And at first they said, we're not going to report it because people think we're crazy. And you can imagine with shipyard employees what that would be like to say, well, I saw a UFO and abducted me. Well, Charles kept thinking about it, and he decided the thing to do would be to report it. And Calvin was not in favor of that at all. But Charles, first of all, he went to the newspaper, and it was later at night, and the newspaper was closed, and he said, nobody's here. There's nothing you can do here. And so then he tried to report it to the Air Force Base. And this was Kessler Air Force Base, which was somewhat close to him. And they said that the Air Force no longer collects UFO reports. The Project Blue Book has been out of business for a couple of years and told him to report to the sheriff or the local authorities. So they called the police. Um, Charles was more or less the instigator. Calvin didn't want to even think about it and definitely didn't want to report. And so Charles called him and said, you're not going to believe this. Can you imagine calling the police and saying we were abducted by a UFO? especially back in 1973. We're talking to Dr. Irina Scott. The book is Beyond Pascagoula, the rest of the amazing story, where she now is telling you about the original story and then the additional information that she uncovered. Tim Swartz is our guest co-host. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com.
USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. We need to stay unified. President Joe Biden addressing Democrats at the party's National Committee fall meeting on Saturday afternoon, highlighting the benefits of passing both the infrastructure package and the $3.5 trillion human infrastructure package at the same time. The question the American people are going to be asking is whether we're helping them and their families in a real way. Can we deliver for them? As Democrats, we have to show that we do understand that we are delivering for them and that we are keeping our promises. Republic Airlines Flight 4817 makes an emergency landing at New York's LaGuardia earlier this evening due to a security incident. A law enforcement official says a passenger got unruly and suggested he had an explosive device. 80 passengers and crew making it off the plane safely when it landed. He got a ride in a police car. This is USA Radio News. A big development in the story of the missing Texas toddler. A few days ago, his mother was pleading with people to help find him after he wandered away. She had saw her son chase their dog down the road, so when she got that information... Now the sheriff of Grimes County has confirmed that Christopher Ramirez has been found alive. He was found shortly before noon Saturday, about five miles from his home. And while they took him to a hospital to be evaluated, the sheriff says he appears to be perfectly fine. The United States meeting with the Taliban this weekend. Multiple outlets are reporting the delegation from the United States has met face-to-face and will some more before the weekend ends with those Taliban representatives in Qatar. If accurate, this would mean the first face-to-face meetings between the two sides since American forces withdrew from Afghanistan in August. In our New England Bureau for USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. Angie's List is now Angie, and getting your to-do list done just got easier. Between back to school and with the holidays around the corner, it can feel like there's no time to tackle home projects. Whether you need help with emergency repairs or major upgrades, Angie matches you with top local pros who can get the job done right. Browse reviews, see upfront pricing, and instantly book hundreds of projects. Save time for what matters most. Book your next project at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Oh, whale! Guys, whale! Wow, whale. Oh, that's a big whale. Um, okay. Whale, whale, whale. Oh, no! Whale! The tides can turn quick on the water. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Get a quote today in as little as three minutes at progressive.com. At least it wasn't a shark, am I right? (laughs) Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Charles reports this to the police, and we should point out that Calvin never said a lot about it until recent years when he wrote a pair of books. Let's go on, Irina. Yes, so Calvin wasn't in favor of saying anything, and he told Charles to just tell him he fainted because he didn't want to talk about it. Anyway, then they reported it to the police, and the police had him come in, and they separated them and interviewed them separately, and then put them together in a room and interviewed them, and then the interviewer left. And what they didn't know was that they had a tape recorder in the room with them, 
And they did, the police did that in order to find out if they were hoaxing. And the police were expecting him to laugh and say, well, we really put one over on them and everything. Instead, the two men were absolutely terrified. The reason why they had even listened to Charles when he reported was because Kelvin was crying and asking him not to say anything. And so then they got the tape and they believed him because they found out that the two men were absolutely terrified. And so that was a basic event and it made the news all over the world, maybe because it was it, they had reported immediately and because of the mystery tape. So they were, the next day at work, they, they just came into work the next day expecting to be a normal work day, and their place of employment was just absolutely inundated by reporters and investigators and everything you can think of. So they never lived a normal life from then on. Yeah, Calvin, this was a gentleman that wanted absolutely nothing to do with the events that happened to him. I mean, he basically just dropped out and up until really a few years ago, never talked about his experience again. Yes, he'd go to work and get a job that people would follow him around. I mean, lots of people want fame. He didn't want fame. He just wanted to get married and have a happy, normal life which he wasn't living, but he didn't want to talk about it at all. And I interviewed his wife a couple of weeks ago, and his wife said he never even talked about it to her until he started writing the book, and she had prevailed upon him to start writing the book, she and Philip Mantle, and finally he decided to, and that's the first he had talked about it. Yeah, see, to me, that's what really you know helps convince me that these two uh, uh, gentlemen had a real experience because uh, uh, Calvin wanted nothing to do with what happened to him. Uh, like a lot of debunkers have said that they were you know, trying to hoax to make money or something, then Calvin would have been all over the place in the National Enquirer and stuff. But no, I mean, he just, uh, that was it. He just disappeared. And uh, now Charles, on the other hand, I mean, he, he did make some television appearances and, and wrote at least one book about his encounter. Uh-huh. So they were different in that way. and. Everybody that talks to Calvin is very impressed with him, that he's a very sincere, honest person, and especially his wife, <laughs> Philip. <laughs> so, for a number of years, I think the general impression was that this happened pretty much in isolation, that it only happened to these two gentlemen, and that there were no other witnesses. But in your book, you've uncovered a number of really fascinating uh, uh, experiences by uh, other people at around the same time. Yes. Philip Mantle has been looking very diligently and found a num quite a number of other witnesses. And one of the criticisms was is that there weren't any witnesses, and it took place sort of in a public place near a bridge. Route 90, which was a freeway, and that sort of thing. I mean, it wasn't really public, but, you know, it's where people might have seen something. Well, um, one of the first people I interviewed was Maria Blair, and she and her husband were in a car 
on the opposite side of the river from them, from the abduction, and about the same time. And they had, the reason they were found is because they had made some comment. I think they're not them, but their daughter had made some comment on um, YouTube, a show about um, the abduction. And their daughter had made some kind of comment about her parents had seen it or something like that. So Philip contacted them. And then I interviewed both of them. And um, Maria said that they were on the other side. Her husband was going out to a boat, and he and his supervisor and maybe other people were going out on the boat. But his supervisor had been delayed, and so they were sitting there uh, in their car waiting for this person to show up. And the boat was at the end of the pier. So she started seeing this weird thing flying around and she made comments to her husband that the she she at first thought it was an airplane she made comments to her husband that that there's something wrong with the airplane there's something wrong with the pilot it keeps uh, flying back and forth like it's lost and it doesn't seem to know where it's going and so she thought this was pretty weird and then her husband decided to take his clothes to the boat and um, I think it was about nine o'clock. He decided to take his clothes to the boat, and so he went ahead of her, and she then walked down the pier. And she said that there was this man that seemed to come out of the water, and she was just really emotional about it. And then they got to the boat, and then they came back about twelve, and that seemed very strange to me. But she didn't seem to pay too much attention to that. But she was really emotional about this man that came out of the water, and she said she couldn't figure out why he came out and what he was doing and why he didn't come up for air. And so I asked her, could this have been a fish or a porpoise or something? And she said no. And um, the first person I talked to was her husband, and he had said something about a big splash and a blimp, but then he handed the phone over to her. And... Apparently, he had been a debunker all along. He told her, well, nothing happened. You're imagining things. This is crazy and everything like that. Well, um, last year, he became very sick, and unfortunately, he died later. But right before he went on a respirator, he told her that they had been abducted, but that he had never wanted to talk about it, but since this might be his last chance to say something that they had been abducted and he told about there was a big splice of something going in the water and that these beings had abducted them um, and he remembered being on board the, the object that abducted him and there was one one that he one of the beings that he said was like a doctor that really physically went over him and then they saw him leave and like it, they were swimming back across the water to their object we're talking and, here about what appears to be a deathbed revelation yeah it was a deathbed re- revelation and later he was on a ventilator and he couldn't talk and so this had happened to them when they were just young married people 
after that they'd raised a family and everything and they had they discussed it with their kids but they hadn't said much about it and her husband always said nothing happened you're crazy and all that and so this was like a deathbed confession because he was afraid you know not make it and he didn't unfortunately was this covid by the way I didn't ask her. I sort of thought it was, but I didn't ask her. Dr. Irina Scott joining us. The book is Beyond Pascagoula. The rest of the amazing story when, well, it looks like Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson weren't the only ones abducted. More to come with Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veterans nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. 
For over 20 years, Extendivite has been helping people. Here is a testimonial from Amazon.com. Glad I found this product. I am 51 years old and started getting headaches a couple of times a week. I went to the doctor and my blood pressure was a little high at around 150 over 95. I found out about Extendivite and I ordered some to try it. Immediately, I felt better and it lowered my blood pressure and my headaches went away almost instant. I have been taking it now for about four months and I am so glad I found this product. You won't be disappointed. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, okay, the thing I always ask, other than being a deathbed revelation, is when people, Irina, recall things that happened to them nearly five decades earlier... How could we be sure that the details are reasonably accurate? I mean, I don't know for sure in general and everything. But in that case, the um, abduction of the two men was something that people paid a lot of attention to. Normally, you know, you wouldn't remember something from 1973, some particular way. But people did because they heard about the abduction the next day. And that joke that made it settle in their memory for what they saw and what they knew about. She remembered something, and she was very emotional about it. And before he said anything, I kept coming back to her and asking about that man. And I could tell she was just really emotional, but she didn't know why. And then later, when her husband told her that, she never remembered being in the object or anything else. She just I think she remembered the beings, and she and she definitely remembered the man that came out of the water. But I think she still doesn't remember being inside the object. So now this was an experience that the couple had together. The wife had only fleeting memories of what happened, but it seems like that the husband had a lot better recall, but kept it to himself all of these years? Well, so did... Um, Calvin Parker. <laughs> yeah. There's two people I interviewed. I mean, I interviewed the wives of two people that didn't talk about it for all those years. And my possible theory that maybe it was very traumatic and maybe they had post-traumatic stress in them and didn't want to talk about it or something. Because that I, I interviewed two people, the wives of two people who <laughs> refused to talk about it for many, many, many years. And their experience happened on the very same night as uh, uh, Calvin and uh, Charles' experience. And they thought it might have even been the same object. So it would be a very unusual thing. Wow, that's a a busy night. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to check that, but um, she definitely remembered something, and she talked about it to her kids, and it was her kids that said something that – 
Philip Mantle then investigated. It wasn't them. You made a reference also in your book about uh, well, this particular case. You know, said that uh, the the whatever the beans were that abducted this couple came out of the water. And then there was a story that you had in there about uh, uh, people in boats chasing what appeared to be uh, a USO uh, in that uh, that particular river. Well, that happened. It, the abduction was October the 11th, and this was November the 6th. That... Um, there was an underwater um, event um, um, an underwater um, an underwater object was reported and um, there were 16 witnesses for this um, the Pascagoula area made the national news for two reasons. One was that first abduction, and second was this underwater event. Um, and this was what was called a um, unidentified submarine object. And this was, um, like I said, 16 witnesses on this in several boats. And um, this was taken very seriously. People derided um, the two people that said they were abducted. But this other um, USO was taken very seriously. It was um, these fishermen saw this object under the water, and they watched it. It was lit up for a while and first of all they were trying to figure out what it was and the man's I there's only one of the 16 people left and I interviewed him he was one of the fisher people and um, he said first of all his father was trying to figure out what the thing was and hit it and it sounded like metal and then his uh, father's twin was on another boat fishing, and they saw it too. And some other people saw it, another group of fisher people. And so they went back, he and his father went back to the Coast Guard and got them, you know, these were authorities, they got Coast Guard uh, officers to come out and look. And the Coast Guard people came out. And the thing would, um, it would travel. It if they harassed it and tried to hit it and things, it would turn its lights off and move and appear someplace else. And then it turned its lights back on. And like I said, they thought it was metal. And the Coast Guard people saw it too. And the Coast Guard, uh, one of them thought it was very, very strange because he said when he held an oar over that the light just went right through the oar like it was an x-ray or something. Um, and they, all of them thought that the object knew its way around underwater. There had been a trench, and that it seemed to follow the trench. So they, the Coast Guard and the Navy had a good um, investigation of that and put some high-level people to 
interview him and everything. So it was taken seriously. Yeah, I remember actually when that event took place and the uh, the the coverage, the news coverage. But I don't think at the time that there had been uh, a connection made between the USO report and the the earlier uh, uh, abductions. Well, yeah, I didn't understand that either because, um, and I think it had to do with the agencies that were reporting, but the Navy took it seriously for several reasons. One was, is because there was a nuclear facility there. They were near the Huntington Ingalls uh, shipbuilding plant, which was one of the biggest in the United States for the Navy, and it was near Kessler Air Force Base. And also there were a whole lot of things going on in the United States, which resulted in a nuclear alert not very long afterwards. And so that was several reasons why they took it seriously. I think the government didn't want anybody to know there was a nuclear facility close by. But the abduction had been actually closer to all those facilities and the, um, the underwater um, object and nobody took that seriously even though it was just as serious as the other now you brought up a good point in october of 1973 not only was the united states experiencing a a, a, a pretty huge ufo flap but there were all kinds of different uh, uh, things going on uh, uh, across the planet of, of historical significance at the same time. Yes, there were only two or three nuclear alerts like that for the possibility of nuclear war. And one of them was that same month, October, I think it was October the 24th. And um, it was the Yom Kippur War in the Middle East. And there was a possibility of just going into nuclear war then. Also, there was Watergate and the impeachment of a president and everything, oil crisis and everything you think of going on at the same time. Basically, here, the world was really in a pretty interesting shape during the period of time when all this stuff went down. Also, it's interesting to note that for the years prior to 73, there weren't a lot of UFO sightings especially after the Air Force gave up Project Blue Book. Hmm. Yes. Um, it, previously, it, all the up until about 1969, all the reports went to the same place, which is Project Blue Book, I mean, in general. And so they could tell if there was like a flap or a wave or a sudden increase in UFOs, sightings, and then a decrease. After that, it was... Very hard to tell because nobody knew where to report anything. But everybody agreed that 1973 was a definite flap or wave and that it was probably the largest one that ever happened. We have Dr. Irina Scott. We're looking at the Pascagoula, Mississippi case and all the things that happened around it with Gene and with Tim. You're in the Pentecost. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. 
After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-985-1610. That's 800-985-1610. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Of course, the one, the only, Tim Swartz doing his famous Margaret Thatcher imitation. <laughs> yeah, is that who it was? Mar- Margaret Thatcher? That's, yeah. I'll, I I'll don't know. I mean, what do you think? Who do you think he was trying to sound like there? Uh, howdy Doody. <laughs> How do you even remember Howdy Doody? Oh, that's just a little bit before my time. Not by much, though. Not by much. <laughs> yeah, of course. That preceded Mr. Rogers by quite a few years. Okay, so, Irina, we're looking at all the things that happened around the Pascagoula case that have come to the fore. Now, I wanted to clarify this before. Okay, so one of the reasons that Philip Mantle decided to have you, in addition to being an experienced author and researcher to probe into this is a cultural thing that you would have an easier time communicating with people living in a small town in Mississippi as opposed to some guy from Great Britain? That's what I thought. And then also I had a setup where I could record the conversations too. Did you find it all, and people are going to ask this, so we've got to braise it, that some people were just trying to get in on the action as opposed to having a real experience? I don't know, because I ask everybody who they told and if they told people at the same time just to investigate. And they generally said, yeah, they told a few people, but not very many. So I tried to collect information on who they told. But that's about all I could do. 
they all seem pretty sincere to me. Now, the other thing here, of course, is obviously the police, when they taped Hickson and Parker, were basically trying to set them up to see if there was evidence of fakery. Did they care much about looking into anything else around that incident, or did they just leave it by itself? The reporters and everything just swarmed them. And both men wondered how everybody knew about it. And I interviewed another policeman who was, wasn't was in Pascagoula. It was some distance away. And he heard about it on the police radio right after it happened. And I think maybe that's how so many people found out about it. I think so many people took over the investigation that the police, you know, there were just a lot of people investigating. It wasn't just them anymore. So they lost control of it. They really couldn't do anything beyond that initial case. Well, Dr. Heineck and Dr. Harder, who were professors, they came in and they were looked up to as regular professors. Um, Dr. Heineck was an astronomy professor and Dr. Harder was uh, University of Berkeley, California. So that was pretty big. So they investigated and interviewed him and everything, too. And there were all these reporters and everything. Well, I was, I was going to say, now, wasn't uh, 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 Charles and Calvin uh, uh, the very next day uh, taken to the uh, uh, local Air Force base and uh, interviewed again separately? Yeah, they were. Calvin was very nervous, and he was afraid that he might be contaminated or he might be radioactive, and he asked to go to the hospital and um, have them look at, at him. When he got back, he um, bagged his clothes and threw them away and washed with, I think it was Clorox or something. Ble <laughs> yes, bleach. He told me he took a bath in bleach. Yeah, so he was pretty nervous about it. And they took him to the hospital, and I, and I talked to the first doctor that talked to him, uh, Dr. Bosco, and he thought they were very sincere. He thought they were extremely stressed and that they were telling the truth. And so did the other people. Another, a number of other people talked to him at the hospital, and then um, that particular hospital, Singing River Hospital, I think, didn't have any tests for radiation, so I took a, they took him to um, Kessler Air Force Base and tested him for radiation. And the results being uh, negative? Yeah, the results were negative. Uh, he was worried there might be some other type of contamination things. And so um, he was pretty nervous about that he might be contaminating other people, but they didn't find anything. This is very interesting about UFO sightings in general. Aside from a very few cases where there were physical effects like Cash Landrum and perhaps Rendlesham, when people come into contact with UFO entities or appear to come in contact, the physical damage does not exist. It doesn't appear that they're being infected by anything. So maybe E.T. cares about our microbes? <laughs> well, in the War of the Worlds, as you remember, our microbes were what killed them off. Right, but that meant, of course, that E.T. in War of the Worlds was very stupid. 
because you <laughs> yeah. think that if a race of advanced beings goes to another planet, one of the first things they would take care of would be to check local microbes and make sure they weren't infected. But then again, we're talking about a book written in the 1890s. So such yeah. niceties were not apparent to H.G. Wells. No, that's what I meant. I was a, that was a joke. Um, oh, okay. Well, you see, um, don't have a sense of humor. Forgive me. <laughs> well, well no. go ahead, Irina. He'd, he'd seen the astronauts come back to the moon and everything. They uh, self-isolated and were worried about contamination. Well, now after the uh, um, after the abduction, Charles did say that he found uh, uh, not Charles uh, Calvin said that he found marks on his body where he thought that possibly he had been injected. Well, yes, he said that um, they both these beings or whatever they were machines or whatever they were grabbed them and they both just went uh, like they were paralyzed, but it wasn't like they were put out with. Um, the anesthetic they used then, they were conscious, but they couldn't move. And um, they both thought maybe they'd been injected. And we've had several, there were marks on their body that somebody found pictures of marks on their body that they think were taken then. And we had several doctors look at them. The ones on Hickson just looked like surface scratches. The ones on uh, Parker looked like they might have been injections. They were in black and white, so you couldn't really tell. But the ones on Parker were, the one on Parker was on his, the bottom of his foot, which is an odd place, but they might have undressed him or something. Well, yeah, Parker said that almost as soon as he was touched by one of these creatures, that he said that, he just went limp. That just all resistance uh, just left him completely. Resistance was futile. <laughs> yes, that's why they thought they had been injected with something. And I think they heard some kind of a noise or something. But the um, so far, I don't think the um, I don't think they actually found anything that would prove they were injected. Although there was marks on the foot of. Um, of Parker, these scratches on um, Hickson looked like they were just surface scratches. We had a couple of doctors look at him. I may get another doctor too, but it was—it's hard to tell because they were black and white pictures, and they weren't even sure if these were St. <laughs> Mark's. Now I want to ask you something here, which is a subtitle in one of your chapters, Chapter Two. Instruments resemble modern scanners. And we're talking here about 1973, so I want to know more about this, what this came out to be. Irina Scott is author of a brand spanking new book. You like the book so much you want to spank it. Called Past Beyond Pascagoula, the rest of the amazing story, forgive my lousy puns, with Gene and with Irina and with Tim. You're in the Paragraph. Hey, listeners. 
I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name is Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The Mech Tech Carbine Upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com.
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, Irina, clarify this again. The instruments resemble modern scanners. How so? What can we compare them with? Well, they had the impression that they were being scanned. And in one, there was a sort of machine that came out and circled their body and then came back into the wall. And that's not, since then, they've invented the CAT scan and everything that really scans your body. But even our CAT scans, you have to go lay down and go in a big machine. And this seemed to just be something that just rotated around them. And they had the impression they were being scanned. So it was like something today, but even more modern. Well, just as an example, I had an echocardiogram done the other day. And they have this device where they hook up a couple of probes, actually three probes to your chest. And then they take this device, this portable device that scans the area where your heart is and sends, of course, the ultrasonic waves to get a picture of what's going on with your heart. But then it's not coming out of the wall. It's a physical device connected to a physical machine, but it could also be wireless. It could be done by Bluetooth, I assume. Yeah, and that's something that's possible today, but not in 1973. I mean, it was there. Even Star Trek didn't know about that. No. They had their tricorder, I guess, or whatever it was. Well, they also had these devices where they would get readings from the patients in the sick bay. Mm -hmm. You don't know if that's what they were doing, but that's what they had the impression that that's what they were doing. Well, we're looking here, if all the details aren't precisely as reported, we're looking here at just regular guys from the 1970s without a scientific education being exposed to advanced technology from another planet. So I would even think no matter what, that the descriptions are probably very general, even if they're completely accurate. And you don't know if it's real, if the beings are putting on a show or if they are really you know, doing it like a CAT scan or something. Well, that brings up another point here, whether this entire experience is still in their minds. Not that there weren't UFOs. Obviously, there were because you have investigated them. Obviously, we have another couple who were abducted. Now, that's an interesting thing, too. Were you able to take these two experiences with the man and the woman and Hickson and Parker and compare them detail by detail? No, because the the Blairs didn't remember that much. Maria Blair never remembered as yet being in any object. She just remembers looking in and seeing a bright light. And her husband, he said that he, these uh, beings or whatever they were kind of gave him an exam but then he couldn't talk because he's on a ventilator, so he didn't explain it too well either. So there's not that much information from them. 
that's a shame because you know it's just it, it, there would have been so much uh, corroborating uh, uh, evidence with the two cases if uh, especially if Mr. Blair had had decided to to talk earlier. Well, I guess he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we've we've seen that before, haven't we? Where you have somebody who uh, who's had an unusual experience like this, just basically completely shut down and try to uh, block the experience uh, out of their memory, com- uh, just just completely. Well, that happens with a lot of things besides UFOs, and it's why people, post-traumatic shock and that sort of thing, people may not remember what happened for 20 years or something. I mean, with just normal things, let alone UFO abduction. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, that, that brings me to the, the description of the creatures that uh, Charles and Calvin uh, reported. I mean, these beings are very unique in uh, in their physical appearance. I mean, you know, we're we're all used right now to, I guess, the the, the whole stere- stereotypical little uh, uh, gray aliens with the big heads and the you know, the the big black eyes. But uh, you know, these these things. I mean, they were tall. Gray, wrinkled skin like elephants. Uh, you know, I mean, we've never seen uh, anything like that uh, before or, or afterwards, have we? Well, they were just kind of the opposite. The ones, well, the common idea now of an alien is a slender, short thing with a big head and big eyes. And these are sort of porky or porty or something. And I don't even know if they were sure they saw their eyes. Um, and I think they were kind of short, though. Maybe, well, he saw three real tall ones, and then the rest of them were shorter, though. So they weren't any. And then they, instead of having legs, um, the ones that uh, the two anglers saw, um, they sort of had pe- uh, pedestals or something, that, and they just floated. They didn't walk. I have seen that in sci-fi films. In fact, I recall something like that, maybe in a Star Trek episode, where the beings kind of floated as opposed to actually physically walking. Yeah, I I don't know, but this, yeah. But um, they didn't look like a, a normal idea of the aliens today, anyway. Well, I think that uh, um, really, I mean, up until the early 1970s, uh, when we did have, uh, you know, in- encounters with, you know, occupants of, of UFOs, I mean, you know, they were all over the place in, in de- description. Of course, you had the 1950s style uh, uh, blonde space brothers, but then you had uh, you know, little hairy entities, you had uh, 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 tall uh Creatures with uh, green skin, just, just you know, really, I mean, you know, anything that you could imagine. And then after that, it, it kind of became uh, homogenized almost uh, till we have, uh, again, the uh, little gray, uh, little gray, big-eyed creatures. Yeah, and you don't know, they maybe work with mind control. And so what people see may not be actual anyway. They may just 
make pictures in people's minds of what they look like instead of being all kinds of beings. Mm-hmm. Well, now the uh, um, the whole uh, October 1973 uh, uh, sightings, there were also, I mean, all across the country, a lot of uh, uh, entity sightings as, as well associated with these UFOs. Yes, there were, and that was um, something unique with that uh, wave, is there were a lot more humanoid sightings than there had been before. We are going to do our break here with Dr. Scott, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin, and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam, meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. At the end of a day of searching for a missing boy on Friday, the Grimes County, Texas Sheriff said of the efforts, We have one mission, which is to find a young man. So the latest is mission accomplished, as that missing three-year-old has been found alive shortly before noon local time today, about five miles from his home. He'd last been seen playing with a dog on Wednesday in his Plantersville neighborhood. He apparently just wandered off. He's been reunited with his family and taken to a hospital to be evaluated, but the sheriff said he seems to be fine. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi meeting with Pope Francis today at the Vatican after he had given an address in which he urged world leaders to act on climate change, Pelosi calling the meeting a spiritual, personal, and official honor. Former President Trump's about to hold a rally in Iowa. It'll be his first since the 2020 election, and this is USA Radio News. U.S. diplomats are meeting with Taliban representatives this weekend. The face-to-face meetings are reportedly going on in Qatar, the first such meetings between the two sides since American forces withdrew from Afghanistan in August. Another case of an unruly passenger aboard a commercial airliner being arrested as it made an emergency landing, in this case, at New York's LaGuardia Airport. Reports of suspicious behavior by a passenger, which led to some sort of square-off with other passengers, and then it turned into what the airline, Republic Airlines, refers to as a security incident. A huge police response met the airliner when it touched down in New York. This follows this pledge from President Biden just a few days ago. I want you to know I've instructed the Justice Department to make sure that we deal with the violence on aircraft. A report today that at least nine Rikers Island inmates in New York City freed by New York's Democratic governor last month have all been arrested again. And this is USA Radio News. 
Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax manager hotline now 800-503-8625 hi this is james fox you're listening to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio now he's getting into somebody from sesame street i think <laughs> Tim could, be Tom, could be Tom Slick, maybe. You know? <laughs> that sounds slick to me. <laughs> Irene, yes, it's interesting here to look at the description of the beings because they weren't consistent. They certainly don't look about like the beings that were seen in connection with the Sicaro, New Mexico case, and certainly the Betty and Barney Hill case. No, and. I just wonder about the beings if it's something projected in the people's minds because everybody seems to see a different type of being. And <laughs> there's an awful lot of beings. Well, you every- see, that also creates the possibility here that the experience is something else entirely. This is something that they recalled or they got the basics of interacting with someone or something. But the rest of their mind had to fill in the blanks. Well, you wonder about that. You wonder um, if they just use mind control and make people see various things. Yeah, or other people fill in the blanks, too. Now, when it comes to the hills, because Mm -hmm. they live near a military base and, of course, had suffered from discrimination being an interracial couple, I have wondered, and I know the people who are more directly involved in that case will dispute what I say, if that could have been a military experiment to see how these people would react under those circumstances. I had thought maybe something like that would apply to Pascagoula. But now that we have another abduction, now that we have eyewitnesses of UFOs, that's not so easy to conclude. Well... That's what they wondered, too. I mean, I think they were wondering right when it was happening, is this something that the uh, government's doing, an experiment by the government? I think they changed their mind, but I think they wondered about that, what was going on. Well, if there is mind control involved, I could see Hickson and Parker and that couple that being the case when actual ufos are seen well they could have been test aircraft yeah there were quite a number of sightings though of whatever it was and parker and hickson i think seem to have a pretty good 
idea that something happened to him. Their description were kind of close, and I don't think they would just see a government experimental aircraft and think they were taken aboard or anything like that. There was one uh, one aspect uh, with uh, all of these uh, uh, sightings around that area that was very consistent, and that was uh, the color of the light. Uh, seen in these reports, which was you know quite a bit different than your standard uh, aircraft, you know, say like uh, uh, hazard lights. Yeah, and that's one thing I remarked about in my book a number of times is during that wave is a lot of people saw blue, and that isn't a normal sky color. I mean, an airplane has a red wing light and a green wing light and a white uh, strobe light and that sort of thing. And blue is not a normal aircraft light. It's not a meteor color in normally or anything else. But a lot of people reported blue. And that just stood out to me that this is not normal thing you'd report if you were looking at an airplane or something. Well, I think it's especially significant that it's coming from people who are basically in a vacuum with their report. They have no idea what other people have reported, yet everybody, not everybody, of course, but, you know, a significant number are reporting, you know, blue light. Yeah, and that's one thing very consistent. Another is, in general, it was didn't make too much noise and things like that. And also, the inside of the object. They didn't see furniture or lights or anything. They just saw white, like really bright white light. And that you'd expect, you know, if you were thinking about an airplane, that there'd be furniture and they'd have an uh, MRI machine and all that, but there wasn't anything. And even well, when they were placed on a table, they didn't see any table. They just thought they were placed on a table and moved back and it was there. They didn't see any furniture or anything on the inside. Well, of course, we would look at this in terms of what we understand. But if we're dealing, let's assume it's a physical spacecraft, with something that comes from another planet, maybe orbiting another star system, a civilization that could be hundreds or thousands of years ahead of us, what would they use as furnishings? How would they equip a medical exam room? Or maybe to them, all this is just recreating energy for the benefit of the individuals they're examining. Well, that's what I put in my next book that's coming out next year is on like if they were robots or something, they wouldn't require furniture. I mean, robots just stand there and turn off. But, yeah, I mean, it may be all energy or something that can explore us, but we can't. We can see beings, maybe, if they tell us to see beings or whatever. I mean, they might need, may not need furniture at all. You made an interesting uh, uh, point about uh, uh, seeing these beings. Uh, maybe you know how they how they think that something like this should actually look. It reminds me of the uh, um, uh, Travis Walton case when he was first abducted. He saw you know like the little guys with uh, with big eyes that 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 scared him to death and then those guys disappeared only to be replaced by more human actually kind of uh, uh, beautiful looking uh, humans so it makes you wonder whether or not 
there was some kind of mind manipulation going on there that at first it was realized that you know what they were, what he was seeing was scaring him so they brought in something an image that was more familiar and calming well that's what parker said that these mechanical things took him in and then he said there was a woman inside that looked human and then the mechanical things i guess took him out but a lot of people will report some type of beings or robots, and then they'll also say there's normal humans in with them. Yeah, now see, that, that aspect of uh, the case, that there was a woman on board, is uh, hasn't really gotten a lot of airplay uh, with this case. No, and I mean, um, there's even with the um, Hills, there was evidence of collecting sperm and eggs. And you never know exactly what might have happened with the woman, too. I mean, not that he remembered anything, but it was sort of a question that with both him and the um, Mr. Blair, who also wouldn't talk about if more happened that they didn't remember or something. Because the very first um, reports that came out on abductions were seemed to talk about collecting eggs and sperm or sperm anyway. So you kind of wonder if more happened that they didn't remember. Well, and I think that's an aspect that has kind of gone underreported just because of the whole uncomfortable nature of that. People are reluctant to talk about it. And I think that a lot of investigators are reluctant to um, ask the difficult questions. Well, that's why I thought maybe they didn't talk about it, too. Because, because, like I said, I interviewed the wives of two men that didn't talk about it at all for many, many, many years. And I kind of wondered about that, if there was more to it that they didn't feel like talking about it. That's why they didn't talk about it. But I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Now, did uh, um, did Parker and, and Hickson, uh, did they ever say if they had any other in encounters after this because generally it's rare that uh, somebody who would have one close encounter like this uh, wouldn't have another uh, if not a number of, of uh, experiences later on in their life let's do our break here and we'll talk to Irina and Tim and Jean you're in the podcast <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out 
out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. What better gift to give your loved ones than the gift of good health? And where better to buy those good health gifts than sunny-bay.com? Hey, it's great that you're hearing this message now because buying your holiday gifts from Sunny Bay early will save you money. And that's just one reason why Sunny Bay is in business and has been for over 15 years, helping you with fashionable and useful products for better health. See our unique and quality-made travel pillows or our unique neck and body wraps that help immediate pain relief and deep muscle relaxation. Come in a wide variety of uses, apply hot or cold therapy, and are all made in the U.S. See our great selection, affordable prices, and wonderful health products at sunny-bay.com. And remember, order early when our stock is high and shipping is fast. Just click sunny-bay.com. That's sunny-bay.com. And happy holidays from Sunny Bay. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. That's shop, S-H-O-P, super, S-U-P-E-R-T-T-E-A dot com. So the complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5 California time. That's shopsupertea.com at 818-984-6100. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. Screenwriter producer, you're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Irina, as you're asked there from Tim Swartz, did Hickson and Parker, either of them or both of them, have other experiences over the years? I don't know if Hickson did. I don't remember any reports that he did, but uh, Parker. I think he had one in 1993, maybe with the woman, and he might have had one when he was young, but I think he remembered both of those under hypnosis. 
with the 1993 when I think he had missing time or something. But I don't think, you know, in 1973 he remembered anything, and I think it was years later under hypnosis that he said that. Yeah, and you, you, you always kind of have to take any information that's been gleaned from hypnosis, you know, as, as suspect. I just have never been comfortable, you know, uh, with the stories that come out, come out after hypnotic sessions. Yeah. You have to say, you know, this is under hypnosis to, and it wasn't really remembered actually. So far as I know, I mean, that should be distinguished from something that somebody actually remembers at the time it happened and everything. So now, if if there is one big takeaway that you would like to impress upon people who are reading this book about uh, about this case, uh, what would that be? Well, I think it's what they (laughs) said themselves in their books, that something really strange might be happening to people. And most people are just totally ignoring it. I think the government has trained people over the many, many years to make fun of anybody that said anything and harass people. And so you don't get the information you ought to be getting because of that. And you wonder why the government wants to um, sort of hide it. If there's something here that is affecting people, what ought to be out in the open that people can discuss and it appears to not be I mean it's coming out a little bit now but for all these many many years the government has has actively told people UFOs don't exist, there's nothing to it everybody's insane that sees it make fun of them and all that but it, it appears to happen to a number of people and if so it's something that should be considered and explored I remember when you were a guest on uh, our show, uh, Exploring the Bazaar, you had an interesting story about uh, your own UFO experience that that happened on uh, uh, the East Coast and uh, involved a uh, particularly uh, strange individual as well. Am I uh, correct with this? <laughs> Would you, uh, I don't know if our uh, audience is familiar with this, but I, you know, I found it just to be really fascinating. You want to talk about it? Well, my sister and I, when we were kids, uh, we were very poor and my father had farmed with horses actually right before it happened. But um, we had had something in our room when we were real young kids And we didn't understand what it was, but many, many years later, I read a book by Jenny Randalls about how people that have, that often have several sightings will have bedroom experiences of things in their room. Well, my sister and I had that together when we were kids, and it was a long time before we ever heard of UFOs or anything. We just had a radio, and my parents listened to, like, the stock market, the cows and the horses and things. And... So we never heard of UFOs or anything at the time. And so, and then when we were adults, we had another experience together. And so far as I know, I mean, we're the only people <laughs> that I know of that had experience when we were kids and adults both together. But in the East Coast one, um, I was working f- uh, for the DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, and I had a very high security clearance and a GS-11 position. 
in photo interpretation working with um, satellite photography. So I was in at the time I was in air order of battle. I was supposed to be um, identifying airplanes too from satellite photography. She was at Drew University taking postgraduate work, and we were both on the East Coast. So we decided to go on a vacation and see the New England states. And we went up to Boston, and we were going to stay all night. And we did some other traveling and came back to Boston and found out it was crowded and we couldn't find a motel room. And so um, we were leaving, and we saw there was an airport south of us that we could watch, and we could see the airplanes come in. It was Norwood Memorial Airport. We could see the airplanes come in with their red and green lights on their wings and their strobe lights and everything, and looking normal. But below it was this white light that was blinking, and it looked a lot different from the airplanes. And my sister kept saying, this might be a UFO. And I kept telling her, you know, she was crazy. And so we continued, and we saw this light in a woods after we got on the freeway, uh, 95. And it was turning in different, it was going through a spectrum of colors like red and blue. But the inside of our car lit up in green, and I didn't understand that. And so we continued, and my sister eventually started screaming at me to pull over, and I did. And we saw this object. I had pointed out the window, and I saw a meteor, and I was going to say, you know, that's a helicopter, and it wasn't. And this thing came over. It was pretty close. It had seven windows, and we discussed whether... They were windows or panels, and we'd both seen blimps with panels, lighted panels on the side. This was silent. It was slow. And you could see the uh, what looked like windows very, very clearly and close. And it was filled with real bright light and nothing in it. And um, I was working in photography for the DIA, and I was familiar with photography. And I had a Polaroid camera with me that used uh, 3000 ASA film, which is high-speed film for back then. And I uh, got the camera out and was loading the film in, and I thought I could just take an amazing picture because it looked like we were seeing light on the inside. We could see the object close. It was clear. It was going over the freeway. And this man, this truck driver, pulled over and came, and just when I was ready to take the picture, which I thought was going to be amazing pictures, if I could take it in stereo and things. Well, he asked what we were doing. And I pointed at the thing, and I didn't say UFO or anything. But he just rotated around, pointed his head in, a diff- in the opposite direction, and said, I don't see anything. And then he rotated around and looked at me and asked the same question, what are you doing? And again, I said, I pointed and said, what's that? Like it was an airplane even though I didn't think it was. And he must have known where it was because he pointed. He turned around, pointed his head in exactly the opposite direction, said, I don't see anything. Then he came back and pointed to his head like I was crazy and went back to his truck. And then later, he seemed to try to kill us. But um, this was a pretty odd... <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Hold the fort here. He tried to what? Well, later... Um, I did get pictures, but um, not the picture I wanted. 
I had climbed up a hill to try to get pictures, and I was afraid I'd get lens flares from the freeway, so I climbed up a hill and did get pictures. And it eventually, you know, being a photo interpreter, I figured out that this object um, probably had a light on it that wasn't visible to the eye. But then um, I was going to take my car and drive down the freeway and turn around and come back because I thought the object was going to go in the opposite direction. It was circling an airport and blinking in a uh, uh, sequence. Um, and so I drove into the freeway, and the man that was in the truck that had acted crazy, he got right on my bumper and began to follow me. And I would slow down or speed up and change lanes, and he just stayed on my bumper. And his lights were higher because it was a truck. And I was blinded because he was shining right in my mirror. And I thought we were going to get killed. And I finally just floored it. And I couldn't figure out what to do. And finally, I decided to, um, um, when I'd come to an intersection, I would suddenly shoot off to the intersection from the left-hand lane of the freeway. And we could have got killed then because somebody might have been passing us. But I did that, and I got rid of him. But I thought he was going to kill us for a while. You know, this is starting to sound like an X-Files episode, if you look at the way it's going on there with the car chases and everything. Irina Scott, and this is not the X-Files, it's real life. With Tim and Jean, you're in... The Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... 
take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, I have nothing to say about that particular voice. It's he's trying to sound like Mork. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no, really, when you look at this here, or if it's not an X Files case, it sounded like it was pretty close to it. Looking at it now, though, Irina, do you think this was just some kind of nut who was trying to? cause problems, mayhem, or something more deliberate? Well, I found out more about it recently because my sister found a letter she wrote to my mother recently. I mean, she found this letter she wrote to my mother when it happened, but she found the letter recently. And I asked her about the strange man, and she said that when I was loading my camera and everything, she said it seems like a long time for me to load a camera, and then that the object we were seeing was a long ways away. Well, that was the time that um, I'd been talking to the man, but she didn't seem to remember anything about talking to the man. And then also, which just recently made me think, gave me the creeps, and then um, when it happened, when I ran up the hill, well, she tried to stop me, and I kept telling her to guard the car from the man, and she didn't seem to know what I was talking about then. And um, so apparently he was talking to me, and she didn't know he was there. And when I pointed, normally if you point some, if somebody points and you can't see, you look in that direction. Well, you look in the opposite direction. And all those three things, especially recently, realizing that maybe my sister didn't know he was there when I was talking to him made me think that this is really creepy. It was it's more, <laughs> seems more creepy now than it did because at first I thought I wasn't, you know, we were watching a UFO at the time having a close encounter, and then this creepy man was talking to me, and that seems strange to start with. But now it even seems stranger than it ever did because apparently my sister <laughs> didn't know he was there. I mean, she's, she remembered the car chase and everything, but she didn't seem to know he was there talking to me. So it's creepier than it was. But we've seen similar cases like this with uh, witnesses to uh, uh, UFO activity where they'll be approached by creepy individuals, ask, you know, really uh, stupid questions, uh, sometimes even uh, harassing and menacing questions, or they'll be approached by people after the event that that seem to have knowledge of uh, the sighting, even though the witness hadn't really uh, told anybody else about it. Yeah, well, this, (laughs) this is pretty creepy. And I also had a poltergeist experience that night, too. And I was a very sane person because I was working for the Defense Intelligence Agency. I had this real high clearance and everything else. And 
so I was certifiably not insane or anything like that. Okay, now you're going to have to tell me about the poltergeist incident because that's that's one of my uh, fascinations. The next night, I got home late because I'd taken some other co-workers up to New York and I was waiting for them. They never showed up for some reason. But I went home and went to bed later and I kept hearing somebody walking in my room. Hmm. And I would hear like some footsteps and then it was like a man with shoes on and then the footsteps would be someplace else and there was a little bit of light coming from a street light, but I couldn't see anybody. If I got close to my bed, I'd try to feel it, but I couldn't feel anybody. And I kept hearing somebody walk in my room. Well, then my alarm went off, and I thought it was morning, and I got up, and then I started making breakfast, and I realized it was dark. And I looked at the clock, and it was 1.30, hmm. which wasn't when I got up for work. And I had this alarm clock with a broken thing you twist, and so I normally set it with pliers if I wanted to get it set on the right time. Otherwise, with my fingers, I could hardly set it. But I tried to approximately set it, and I had a 100-watt bulb by the bed. And I was terrified, and I went back to sleep, which is strange. I woke up again. The alarm went off and woke me up. And it was 2.30. and sat right on the button. And I think I placed a chair against the door and I was terrified I went back to sleep again and the same thing happened at 2.30, 3.30, 4.30 and 5.30 and then I was in scientific work I wasn't into like UFOs or anything else and I never heard poltergeist and I didn't know what was going on and I thought I'd just gone crazy and I was really worried about my clearance and I was sitting on the bed wondering what I was going to do and how to disguise insanity at work. And my toothbrush just flung across the room and hit a wall. And then everything stopped and everything went back to normal. And that was it. <laughs> it was a pretty creepy little thing. <laughs> that is. That's that, uh, that's amazing. And uh, I've, I've had so many people who uh, you know, who have had UFO experiences and when I ask them if they've had you know anything else you know odd happen to them after the fact not necessarily you know another UFO experience I get so many responses almost identical to what you just told us you know a lot of people will say well what does that mean like, your guess is as good as mine you know psychic harassment i guess <laughs> i have no idea mm -hmm. it's just one of the uh, many of, of thousands of aspects of the whole ufo phenomena which makes it not so easy to uh, get a firm grasp on no and that night I wouldn't have reported it due to my job, but I made real detailed notes about everything that happened, whether I understood them or not. And I kept the notes and rewrote them, rewrote them. But I just wanted to make, you know, I planned to report it sometime when it was safe to. So I um, made good notes at the time. Now, uh, did uh, I, I don't I don't remember. Forgive me for this. Did uh, your sighting occur around the same time that the Hudson Valley uh, UFO flop was going on? When was Hudson Valley? Ooh, I, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> oh, this, 
what, 19... Uh, early 1980s, I think. Oh, it was before that. Was it before that? Okay. All right. All right. But, but, but before your sighting, I mean, you didn't really have any uh, interest in uh, UFOs? Well, I'd had several sightings, but you weren't supposed to talk about them. And my parents uh, didn't allow us to even think about them. You know, if you, got, if you said anything about those, everybody would point at you and make fun of you. Oh, sure. So I didn't pay any attention. I didn't pay too much attention at the DIA either, even though I was identifying airplanes. <laughs> and I should have paid more attention. But uh, um, you have a uh, – uh, there, there's an interesting section in your book where you were talking about how, I guess, after you had taken some photographs at, uh, it was at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, that uh, you found yourself being harassed, or your house was being harassed by a, uh, a jet plane. Yeah, uh, and I got a video of it, and I put it on YouTube, so if anybody wants to look at that, they can. I had taken... Some pig, I had um, been on base at Wright Patterson in the secured area, and I, uh, my employer had sent me. And so, anyway, I was. It, they have you know chain link fences and everything. You're not supposed to be there and all that. Well, I are had, you able uh, to tell us what you were doing at Wright Patterson? Oh, just it was a conference. Um, it didn't have anything to do with UFOs. Nothing mysterious. Nothing sinister, but I've we've got. We're, the, we're, ta- we're talking about Dr. Irina Scott's follow-up to the goings-on in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Yes, our guest co-host is Tim Swartz, and we never know what voice is going to deliver us. You're in <laughs> the Paracast. <laughs> Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. 
Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. It's been tough talking to my doctor about constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. I finally laid all my symptoms out there and how they keep coming back. She said I may have irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. We agreed it's time to try something different. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Visit a doctor in person or online. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Abby and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you, too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. You see what happens here? I say he's going to deliver a (laughs) screwy voice, and he delivers a normal voice. Yes. Uh, keep them guessing. That's that's what I always say. Anyway, I had I had been in the secured area where where you weren't supposed to be, but I was on base due to being on a conference, and I'd also uh, been on base several other times. Uh, the uh, archivist of Roy Patterson invited me on, so I had taken pictures on base in the secured area, and we had a little UFO publication for our group back then. And so I published the pictures where I wasn't supposed to be, I guess. I didn't ask anybody. I just stuck around with a camera. Nobody told me not to, so I did. Uh, But anyway, not too long, (laughs) a few days after the pictures were published, I heard this airplane, and I thought it dive bombed my house. It was just as loud as you could imagine. The house was shaking. Everything in the house was shaking. And I thought it was going to hit the house. And I didn't have any loaded cameras at the time. 
But I got a box camera loaded real fast and went out and took one picture. There was a jet plane that sounded like it had just dive bomb the house. And also, I'm near a recreation area, and there was a um, stunt pilot up also. It was jet plane diving. And I took a picture of that, and then I ran back in as fast as I could and loaded video camera with a telephoto lens and ran back out. And I got a good picture of the airplane, which was, a, I think, a T-38, which is a supersonic trainer. And it was still circling, and you could hear the, um, the stunt pilot and the jet making a lot of noise. Well, I was sort of scared to death because I thought the thing was going to hit the house because, I mean, the house and everything was just shaking like crazy. So I climbed the fence, and the thing was still circling. And my neighbors were outside by their barn. And I yelled at him, what's going on? <laughs> the neighbors said, it dive-bombed your house. And so I had that on tape while the thing was still flying around. And I got a good picture of the airplane, too, with a telephoto. And it flew some time. And so <laughs> I put it on YouTube. But anyway, it was a, I think it was the T-38. I mean, whatever it was, I knew what it was at the time. A supersonic yeah, I think it was the only supersonic trainer ever, and it was an escort for the SR-71. And it flew around a while and circled and then left. But it was a military plane. I couldn't find any air shows or anything around. And I just wondered if that was a show of force or something. <laughs> I think they were stationed at Wright-Patterson. And so I kind of wondered if that had anything to do with it, and I got the whole thing on video. Yeah, and I've I've seen that video by the way. I mean, it's uh, uh, and, and your the interview, the, not interviews, but you talking to your neighbors, and they're all looking kind of shocked themselves. You know, a, a jet like that should not be making that kind of low pass over a neighborhood. I mean, if it was enough to shake everybody's barns and houses, then there was something else going on there. Than just you know somebody out for their weekend training or whatever. No, I, that's what I thought too, and I was just lucky. I managed to get it all on film. And I was lucky my neighbors were out there, and while the jet was still circling and making sound, and I got that in the civilian plane and everything else, and I got it diving and got a real good close picture of it. So you th- you think that this may have been kind of a uh, a warning about don't take pictures where you're not supposed to be taking pictures at a, uh, a class fire. Yeah. I a location at Wright Patterson where you shouldn't be taking pictures. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that, but I at least got the pictures and I was very happy with that. So, you know, if I just said it, nobody believed me, but. <laughs> got mm-hmm. Well, now, and it's, it's interesting that you, that that would happen to you when it comes to just taking some, you know, pictures of what could be a classified area, you know, a nondescript area of Wright-Patterson, when all of the work that you have done over the years, it's excellent work, by the way, when it comes to the research of, of UFOs, have you gotten any kind of harassment along that aspect, you know, as you phone calls, you know, late at night saying, you know, like your typical men in black spiel, you know, drop all UFO study. <laughs> I don't know, because um, like I did a UFO 
podcast about a week ago. And a helicopter came up and circled my house and went back. And I just put that on Facebook because I got a picture of the helicopter and I got a picture of the uh, track at me. But, you know, you, you just don't know. So I just reported it. But there's no way to tell if it had anything to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, again, that's that's one of the frustrating things about when when you research the UFO phenomena, because yeah, you, you do you do have people who think it's just a big joke to uh, uh, you know maybe uh, uh, call up a UFO researcher and tell them that they saw lights in the sky, or even you know worse, threaten their lives. So it's it's hard to distinguish what is just something that's happening by coincidence and what could actually be an unusual type of threat. Well, I try to photograph everything I possibly can, but that's the best I can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you, you had mentioned that you're working on uh, a new book now that's going to be coming out uh, next year. Do you want to give us a hint on what that book is uh, going to be about? Well, I'm writing it with Philip Mannell, who mm-hmm. has done most of it, and it's about the additional witnesses of Pascagoula, and we're finding witnesses still, and there's so there's new info, new information on it, um, and that's mainly what it's about. So now, have these witnesses uh, have they come about because of your previous books, this book, and and and, and some of your others? Yeah, um, he's been looking for witnesses, and then um, he's advertised and put on Facebook, and he's looked on every little tiny thing you can find to see if you witnesses and look through papers and everything else, and found more. Wow, that's see, that's that 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 to me is amazing because here we have an incident that happened where you thought that, uh, you know, it happened in isolation, that there were only two men involved and and that was it. And now, thanks to some really diligent work by yourself and others, you're uncovering all kinds of of new, excellent information. Yeah, and like um, with that sound, um, before I couldn't find out too much information about it, but... Now you can, with the internet, you can look through and find newspapers so I can get an idea of its timing and its general location. Irena Scott, Gene Steinberg, and Tim Swartz, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News. I'm Brad Bernards. COVID-19 metrics in southern states like Florida have plummeted in recent weeks, while rising in many northern states, including heavily vaccinated ones. Confirmed COVID-19 cases in Mississippi, for instance, have plunged some 95%. Similar drops have been recorded in Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, and Texas. A 16-year-old high school girl was arrested and her entire school locked down at Laramie High School in Wyoming all over her refusal to wear a face mask. Once again, we are in a lockdown. Please stay in your rooms until further notice. Thank you. This entire building now is in lockdown. So you have now restricted the movement of over 1,000 students who are not allowed to leave their classrooms because you're trying to get back into the classroom, which you are not allowed to do because you've been suspended. This is USA Radio News. Former President Donald Trump returned to Iowa Saturday for his first visit to the state after losing the presidential election in November, launching a multi-front assault on President Joe Biden and congressional Democrats he said were taking the nation to the brink of ruin. Silent. They don't talk about that. They hate to talk about that. Can you imagine if I were president and had these numbers? And, you know, some people thought, first of all, he didn't get elected. Okay, forget that. But some people said, oh, sir, it was COVID. Former President Donald Trump endorsed U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley for re-election. Hundreds of firefighters in Los Angeles have filed a notice of intent to sue the city over its public employee vaccine mandate. The notice filed on October 7th said that the 871 firefighters are seeking $2.5 million each in damages. This is USA Radio News. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Interesting thing about being able to do research now. Everything is online. You have a decent internet connection, fine. Of course, the internet doesn't discriminate between facts, semi-facts, and fiction. 
Well, I was looking for newspapers back in those days, so I mainly used newspapers like from the next day after the sound. And there were a lot of newspaper headlines that I could find now that I hadn't found before where I could get um, information about it. And also, there was more information published about sonic booms and things like that by NASA so that I could get an idea of what type of sound an airplane makes and what's normal and what's abnormal and that sort of thing, too. I find the whole uh, incident of the sound interesting because... Let's see, on page 247, you have a, a map that shows the map of uh, an SR-71 Blackbird that flew from Illinois to Griffith Air Force Base in New York, causing a sonic boom felt over a large number of Midwestern and Northeastern states. And uh, I would have been living just like uh, in uh, central Indiana, right in the middle of that. But, uh, you know, uh, my, my memory... And I usually have a pretty good memory from around that time. I don't remember that at all, unfortunately. <laughs> I will. Um, well, I just used the newspaper articles, and there were a lot of newspaper articles that I could find now. That, um, it made the front pages in a lot of newspapers. If anything now, there are far fewer real physical newspapers than they were, you know, 47 years ago. 48 years ago. Then you had newspapers everywhere. Now, if the paper has survived, it's owned by a large corporation, and most of what appears in that newspaper is syndicated material. Yeah, so I could find, you know, little tiny newspapers and big newspapers that reported it. So I was lucky, you know, to get hard printed news on it. It does seem funny that you had this, uh, 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 whatever the sound was, on the very same uh, uh, evening that the that you had the Pascagoula uh, event, October 11th. And that's um, why I was <laughs> interested for two reasons. Um, it was very strange, and it's unknown what caused the sound. It wasn't. It didn't fit the characteristics of a sonic boom. Mm -hmm. And um, the authorities ex first explained it as a sonic boom from an SR-71, but the SR-71 wasn't any place near where the thing was heard. And um, then they explained it as a meteor, and uh, earth-grazing meteor, but I could calculate, get a, a good calculation of its speed, and it was way below the um, speed of a earth-grazing meteor. So it didn't fit much of anything, and there were a lot of witnesses. So I thought this was pretty interesting in a way, because they always say UFO phenomena or poltergeist or whatever um, doesn't have a lot of witnesses, but this did, whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Well, and you dedicate, I mean, a large portion, especially near the the end of the book, in just all kinds of fascinating information about the different locations that the sound was heard and uh, the differences between uh, the reports and what an actual, you know, strange patterns, you said, the pattern of the sound was more widespread than a uh, aircraft sonic boom. Mm -hmm. 
you know, have have you uncovered any similar uh, incidents like this uh, after this? No. Hmm. Kicksburg was sort of like it, but it. Um, that, was, that was years earlier. Yeah, not too. Yeah. It wasn't like this because nobody saw anything and nobody knew what caused the sound. Now, odd, though, because the Kecksburg, uh, that, I mean, kind of roughly over the same areas, though, Ohio, Pennsylvania, that uh, uh, those locations. Very roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, but people saw something with Kecksburg. Right. And nobody saw anything. And that's, uh, 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 so, I mean, and I suppose that this is just speculation on <laughs> on your part. Have you drawn any conclusions from all of this research? I mean, you know, you, you just have so much excellent research on this. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think happened? What was going on? I don't know, because there was a flap at that time. Um, and... I just couldn't say, but I mean, I was happy that I had enough data that I could calculate roughly where it was and roughly the time and the speed and everything else. And there should have been millions of um, witnesses. Mm -hmm. And um, I was speculating it was something that was um, invisible to radar and that if it just had its light turned off, it was night. So if it was something flying with lights turned off nobody would have seen it but it's um the sound wasn't like a sonic boom it was way too uh wide for a sonic boom and it didn't sound like a sonic boom so it was just strange that it would happen the same time as the abduction all these other things plus in ohio there was a um there were all these witnesses down in Pascagoula, but there was a sort of a flap in Ohio at the same time. And that was interesting. And it seemed to be like a lot of it was kind of over like military installations and things like that, such as going over Washington, D.C., which is loaded with, you know, in all kinds of military and like observatories and different things like that. So I, well, I quoted one per, one thing as saying that it might have been a show of force by aliens when right before the war was about to start a world war or something like that. But that was pure speculation. But yeah, if that was the case, why why over the Midwest and not over the Mideast where the actual uh, you know uh, hotspot was actually taking place? Well. Um, the United States was well armed with nuclear weapons. <laughs> well, I, I suppose that if uh, there had been something like that that happened over the Mid East at that time, that could have created a flashpoint, and then all the uh, all the rockets would have started flying. Then, well, the um, Israel was aligned with the United States and. Egypt and the other countries aligned with Russia. And so, you know, there was alignments. If something had really gone wrong, there would be a nuclear war. And I think that's why they had the um, the alert, the nuclear alert at that time. Right. It was what, DEFCON 3, I think, wasn't it at the time? Uh-huh. 
yeah, that's <laughs> that's too close for comfort. Well, and the other interesting thing about this the the pattern of the uh, the the sound that you reported, you know, you said that there was a lot of UFO activity in Ohio. I know for a fact that in Indiana. Uh, just like right underneath uh, where the sound was heard, uh, a lot of UFO activity, a lot of um, uh, uh, strange entity sightings as well were uh, reported, uh, starting from around the 11th through uh, the most most of the month of October. Yeah, and it was a real flat too because like. Um, there was a scientist named Harley Rutledge in Missouri, and he studied that whole time frame from like April 1973 on for um, continuing on way past 1974 and other years. And he could detect a real flap there around 19, um, you know, around October, where everything increased and it decreased. And so you had, you know, a thing like that as an independent. Um, observe, observer beyond the newspapers and everything. Let's do our break here. Irina Scott, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. You never know what Tim's going to do. You're in the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. What will you do if there's a sudden food shortage? Given recent headlines, it seems likely, and at any moment. That's why it makes common sense to build your emergency food storage supply now while you still can. Do it with the kind of food that stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. Food that doesn't go bad like what you get at the grocery store. Whose food should you trust? The largest preparedness company in America, My Patriot Supply. We've served millions of American families going on 14 years. At MyPatriotSupply.com, our mission is your survival. Our emergency food could definitely be your lifesaver when the peanut butter hits the fan. Choose from dozens of delicious meal kits that provide over 2,000 calories a day, which is what your body needs. Order today, and your food will ship fast in unmarked boxes to protect your privacy. Don't wait. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92 
$1,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. We are GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. We've got listeners, lots of them. Around the world, around the clock, our listeners do what listeners do. They listen. And you know what listeners got? Needs. Needs for your products, your services, and money to buy those needs. With our network of over 1,000 radio stations, streaming on the web, and our satellite transmissions, we're reaching our listeners with quality conservative programming. But there's something our listeners don't have. Your offer to meet their needs. Any business needs buyers. But if our listeners don't hear your message, they're still going to buy what they need. Just not from your business. So let's fix this. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message for our GCN listeners. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. The Ringling Brothers Circus now. (laughs) Irina Scott's joining us. We're talking about her new book, Beyond Pascagoula, The Rest of the Amazing Story. All the nooks and crannies, all the things that happen and around it, all the other events, the sonic booms, everything, all the strange cases back to 73. At this point, looking at this so many years later, do you get a better sense of what was going on then, or is it still just one huge set of mysteries? Well, it looked like a lot was going on. It looked like a real flap for some unknown reason. And I was quite understanding the sound. I know that's sort of weird, but it was something with a lot of witnesses that was still unexplained. And it was a huge sound in territory about the second largest recorded. And so I think it was interesting because there's this huge sound. Nobody could explain it, but then people just forgot about it too. Other than obviously the abductions, is there a comparable year since then? I don't know, because you can report things on the Internet and all kinds of things now, so I don't know if you can compare it to 1973. For those years, though, up until about the 1990s, before the Internet and everything, I think it was considered the biggest flap that ever happened. And I don't know if you could compare it to today. Well, it's certainly far easier for people to report things and far easier for people to fake things. Yeah. 
So there's no comparison. It's just that when you go back to Hickson and Parker and all the cases there, with regard to abductions, nothing resembles the abductions that occurred after that. That's what's so weird about it. Or before either. (laughs) Right. It was a singular set of events that were not repeated. There's a theory on the part of some people that UFOs came and went and that in subsequent years, the sightings have conventional explanations and maybe some are test aircraft. Of course, that takes us to the current flat doodle or whatever it is over the Pentagon UAP task force and the report which pretends that there were no sightings until 2004. Well, I think there were sightings and everything before that. And well, we know that. They're saying that this is because, like in 1952, there were radar visuals. Even clear back in the 1947, I think there were radar visual sightings. So I think, I mean, I'm really glad they're finally paying attention to it and saying this is hard to explain, but I think that's happened over the years, too, also. Oh, I remember there was a whole book written. What was it called? Like the October scenario, October surprise, something like that, that yeah, basically said that uh, there had been no actual UFO uh, uh, sightings before October 73 and then none afterwards. That it all happened. Everything That's happened right. then. <laughs> that, that was the one and only event of extraterrestrial <laughs> or whatever happening then and that none before, none after had been real. Well, then some people have lots of explaining to do. What happened to Washington National Airport in 1952? Forget about Kenneth Arnold, because the one thing about Kenneth Arnold is his estimate of the speed of the craft he saw. If they were slower than what he thought, there'd be other explanations. And then there's Roswell. But then that's a can of worms. I don't want to get into that. Unless you want to, Irina. Do you have a, a view on Roswell, or would you rather stay away from that? It's complicated. Oh, I like that excuse. <laughs> you know, if you want to hear a reasonable thing about Roswell, last week's episode featuring Barry Greenwood, he gives you his unvarnished opinion, where he says that a lot of the evidence that came out starting in the late 70s you may want to ignore of uh, roswell yes yes actually i think if you were going to talk about roswell even briefly and we won't really get into it in any detail although i know there's a new book that philip mantle has published on the subject from two well-known roswell authors there is a book called roswell in the 21st century where Kevin Randall looked over the Roswell evidence and came to suggest that some of the evidence that people had accepted, such as whether beings of some sort were seen, don't hold up so well. He thinks something really happened. But he also thinks that a large portion of evidence doesn't have the support that maybe he had hoped for. Yeah, I think I read that book. See, I still think... When I look at it all these years later, that if they really had a spaceship recovered and take it away, we'd have heard something to indicate 
we had this advanced alien aircraft, except for the crazy theory I mentioned in the Paracast newsletter, by the way. And I know you two probably don't know. I suggested that if Roswell involved a spaceship, what would E.T. do about it? Would they come to Earth, allow one of their advanced craft, even a scout ship, to crash and do nothing? How could that be? Wouldn't they want to act to recover their technology? Imagine Captain Kirk if the Enterprise got caught in Star Trek. If the Enterprise gets caught by a more primitive race, do you allow it? Of course you don't. I just think that kind of stretches logic. And I think that if it involved a spacecraft, E.T. would have recovered it. And that's the real mystery. We don't have it anymore. Well, I wrote an article many years ago with Gene Sider, who was a French ufologist. We said was is that if Roswell was real, that it might have been a plant. It was kind of the Cold War, and maybe they wanted to unite us against the aliens or do something that made us think they were aliens or something like that. It was kind of planted and not real, if there was anything. Well, maybe a test to see how we'd react to the crash landing of a spacecraft. I suppose that could be a possibility. It just seems suspicious to me that we've had nothing. We pretend it doesn't exist. We now have a new government investigation and pretends it doesn't exist. And if we recovered advanced technology hundreds or thousands of years ahead of us, something somewhere would have leaked. I'm not talking about the day after Roswell, (laughs) the book from Philip Corso. Hey, we're just about out of time, but we're going to have you stick with us for after the Paracast. But for now, tell our listeners where we can find more of your information. Well, my books are all for sale on Amazon.com, and I have a website, irenascott.com. And you can look at the books there and click on them, and it goes right to Amazon.com. So just look on Amazon.com and order my books. They're excellent books. Actually, they are. Beyond Pascal, the rest of the amazing story is the latest one, just out. And Tim Swartz, what are you up to? You can find all of my books on Amazon.com as well as my website, ConspiracyJournal.com. I'd also like to mention that Tim Beckley's final book, Dulcie Warriors, is also now available on Amazon.com. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. Check us out on Facebook. Look for the Paracast. They've got some weird problem going on with the URL for the Paracast.com on Facebook, but otherwise you can check our information. We have branded merchandise, by the way. Paracast logos and such, the T-shirts, the jackets, the caps, the throw pillows, all that good stuff. Go to the Paracast.shop. That is the Paracast.shop for more information. We also have the Paracast Plus, a special subscription service where we offer the After the Paracast podcast, where Irina Scott's going to be back. And I'm not going to ask Tim Swartz to do his Arnold impression. And we'll talk further. We also give you this show free of the network ads for a low subscription rate. All you have to do to check out more and sign up, go to theparacast.plus, theparacast.plus. If you use the coupon code UFO20 with a lifetime subscription, we give you 20% off. Irina Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the Paracast. 
Thank you very much for having me. Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.